like to introduce our drama to you. Need our drama? You need Martha? Alright. Our drummer is uh, an, another American, the last American we have tonight for you. His name's Harry Stinson. an old Etruscan song. On saxophone, Phil Kenzie tonight. Everyone, this is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all here with me. We have a musical guest once again today. He is taking a break. Uh, this is like a day off he has of a, uh, a tour. He's been touring all over. Uh, he's a musician that I've never met in person, but I know of. And, I, and uh, we're going to talk about how I know of, because I'm not even sure exactly how I know him. But I do, so let's welcome to the show Scott Yoder. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you very much. Yeah. So Scott. So first of all, you're uh, yeah you're on tour now and you're playing Florida. Like I'm I don't know if you know you probably know that I live in California now, but I lived in Florida for many years, like 20 years, and I just moved to Los Angeles like really recently, like literally two months ago. Oh wow. Yeah. Maybe around when my tour started. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Because you're yeah. I was in California I, almost two months ago. That's oh okay funny. okay. But yeah. you're so you're based out of um, uh, Portland. I'm based out of Seattle. Seattle. Why did I, why did I say Portland? Seattle, Washington. That's a lot right. of people do that. <laughs> I, I've never quite figured it out. Okay. Well, you could add me to the list of people that did that. But do you have a connection to uh, Florida at all? Uh, mainly just through uh, through Steve Roman and Pure Honey uh, and Bubble Fest and everything. That's he, He's the person that really brought me out uh, the first time um, I did a tour there with this project, which probably would have been 2017. Oh, okay. Maybe 2018, I want to say. Okay, so that is where I know. Yeah, because Steve, uh, Steve's great, by the way. Steve Roman, he does this thing, Pure Honey in Florida, but he does every year they do this uh, Bumble Fest, which is awesome, this uh, yeah. music festival. Okay, so that's where uh, that's where I know you from, but um, but that's cool. So he sort of introduced you to Florida, and now you're playing like all over Florida, which is cool because I'm sure you know a lot of touring musicians just skip Florida altogether. <laughs> no, it, it, the, the, the shape of the country makes it like really tempting to just um to just avoid it to just bypass it because you it, yeah. it's a, a commitment if you're going to play in florida it's a commitment that you're going to you know drive these hours uh, you know south uh down this thing and then you're going to you know you're going to have to drive back up to get out yeah 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 <laughs> You're yeah, right. Uh, oh, okay. But that's awesome. And uh, yeah, so I do, uh, I should mention, you have, Bandcamp's probably the be- best place to check out your music, right? Would you say? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 Uh, ScottYoder.Bandcamp.com. Uh, so the latest release is Wither on Hollywood and Vine. You'll never know the ruin of the hills. You'll never know the emptiness that this world Fantastic 
Yeah, yeah. I just want to put that out. It's celebrating its year anniversary um, this week, around like pretty recently. It, it had come out a year ago. Okay, Wither on Hollywood Mind. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna blow a little smoke up your ass because I just downloaded it a couple days ago and I've been listening to it. And I actually stopped listening to the album we were we were we we're gonna talk about because I've just been listening to that and and it's great. Oh. It's really good. It's just uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's great. And and obviously, I think I could see some of your influences and I could see why you picked the album that you picked because at first it, you know it's kind of a strange it's it, it is an obvious pick that a singer songwriter is gonna uh gonna pick but um i you know i see that you're uh, you're probably a fan of mark bolin and uh you know and, and all good stuff but uh it's just really well done and uh yeah it's really great so i'm gonna, i'm definitely gonna play uh play some of that and i'll play natural but but what's the album that you picked that we're gonna talk about Oh, so it would be Modern Times by Al Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know. People of, of an age, like like someone of my age, I know Al Stewart because in in the late 70s, 1978, he had a breakout. His breakout hit was actually after this album. Modern Times came out in 75, and I think the album Year of the Cat was after this, right? The album after this one? Yeah, I think that's it, right, the precursor, right, right before it. Right, right. And uh, that song, Year of the Cat, was... On a morning from a boat got moving In a country where they turn by time You go strolling through the crowd like People are contemplating a crime She was on, radio was all over the radio So if you were someone that listened to the radio back then Which I did, I was a teenager Yeah, you, you couldn't avoid it And it, it was great And then he had a, that was a big hit for him And then the next album, Time Passages uh, Was also a big hit for him and uh, yeah, so that's how I know him. Mostly I knew him from that. I didn't realize this album that we're talking about, Modern Times, was his sixth studio album already. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, I had, I had heard other records of his. I'd heard Orange a bit before. Um, I'd heard some of his singles, like uh, You Should Have Listened to Al. She said, don't you think we're going downhill? And I would hate it to be here under the mill. Which is funny. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. The, I, the, the, I worked with some people at a bar in Seattle, and, and our manager was Al. And he was a pretty cantankerous guy who would, um, he was kind of grumpy but funny. And he would, um, sometimes he would, he had like a loft set up in um, above the food storage in the back where he would stay too late and have to like not go home and just sleep at the at the bar right um and he, he was al so i we would have to listen to al oh, every nice. time <laughs> went wrong at work it was like well we should have listened to al right that's and great. i have to think about that song so you're a younger guy uh you're much younger than me so i'm just curious like how, how do you uh, discover uh al stewart i mean oddly enough i mean my my first uh probably interaction with his music would have been uh from Probably the song Time Passages. It was late in December, the sky turned to snow. All around the day was going down slow. Night like a river beginning to flow. I felt the beat of my mind go drifting into time. We have a M radio station up in the Seattle area called Kixie, K-I-X-I, that I've always been really fond of. It's like a very... Um, Kind of an antique store kind of kind of radio station where you'll hear everything from um, like Barry Manilow to um, I don't know to Frank Sinatra like all that kind of old timey music and then they'll kind of just fit in some like 
really uh, over the top stuff like i mean time passages i i feel like is on par with like almost like a jim steinman right meatloaf right, right. kind of collaboration yes. um <laughs> it's, it's more like the soft rock version of meatloaf in a way yep where it's really fantastical um but um a bit more kind of gentle in the delivery and um maybe a l- little less about um being a teenager i think i don't actually re- really think about the lyrics and time passages that much I, the production just kind of takes it away <laughs> right right yeah well that's true that's kind of what i found with listening to this album it's just it's uh produced um so we should mention uh this was the first of three albums produced by alan parsons right that's right yeah right from what i know yeah yeah uh, for, for me really um for for this record particular in particular like i said I, time passages was the first song i had really heard of al stewart but um I had some friends that had just got me into some of his earlier stuff and it really just um, came came until this year, earlier this summer, really, that I got super into this record. And I got very uh, like uh, compulsively listening to it. Right. Like right, I, right. having to like repeat it, like certain songs, I would just be like, I guess the repeat function on on my music player is just going to be engaged. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you, so were you, when you uh, first heard it and then you dived into it, were you playing music already? Were you making music? Yeah, I was pretty well along into playing music. Um, my my band had broken up and I was kind of exploring some of, um, uh, some of like, I, I knew that I wanted to play some music on my own. And I knew that a good way to do that was just to see what like some folk singers had done with, right. uh, their, with their solo music. And um, something that really appealed to me about Al Stewart was that he was, firmly rooted in folk music, but um, he accepted and and embraced some of the more like kind of far out um, production or some might say overproduction of uh, the excesses of the 70s, which to me is a really cool um, kind of juxtaposition to have these two kind of things that are like these two elements that are like maybe anathema to each other nowadays, um, just to like, see what the zeitgeist was like back then and see how there's actually a lot of overlap with people that were like folkies in the 60s and then like kind of pop stars in the 70s right right yeah because it's really because in a way it's really hard to uh, categorize like i'm thinking like what do i call this because it is very uh, poppy very uh, produced almost uh, like not prog but almost produced in a way that prog would be whereas it's you know just produced very well and there's all these different uh instruments in there and there's a percussive uh you know uh sounds coming in and uh and but yeah, when I read about how he was a folk, he started out as a folk singer, and I guess maybe uh, I guess at first his thing was singing about about things that happened, like history, like a lot of. Oh yeah, that's right. That's still something I have to explore. I know that he has a series <laughs> of albums where it's like he's being very, like um, yeah, like history lesson. Kind yeah, of like about. a history lesson, like very historical. And in here, yeah. yeah, here he's getting away with that, but he's still like uh, telling stories. But he's telling these little stories about people, and it's not necessarily historical. A lot of it's you know just made up from him. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it, it's funny because I definitely in in listening to your uh, your music this week, and then I've been listening to this album too. I definitely feel like uh, there's I don't know if I'm reading more into it, but I feel a, a kinship between you guys for sure. Just in your uh, delivery, I mean, I'm just gonna say it. Some people in like reading reviews, some people don't like his voice at all, and they don't like his sure. delivery because it's a very I don't know. It, it's very uh, British, and it's very in the same way that Mark Bolin was. Uh, I was dancing when I was 12 
What's the word you could use? Fade, like it's kind of a fade. Oh, yeah, okay, that was like on the tip of my tongue. Like a, a little bit effeminate, a little bit um, just kind of like gentle. Right, um, right, right. So right. I, I think Elle Stewart, I'm not, I'm no expert, but I feel like there's some kind of speech impediment going on. <laughs> right, he has a very, okay. yeah, he has kind of a heavy list. And, and I read something really yeah. funny that... Um, the uh, Pet Shop Boys singer Neil Tennant at one at one point someone asked him if he was just a, if he was a fan and he got insulted very insulted by by the comparison but it's like no, oh, no. I could see that sometimes you're better off dead there's a gun in your hand that's pointing at your head you think you're mad too unstable kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in a restaurant in a west end town call the police there's a madman around running down underground to a dive bar <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> maybe unconsciously. I mean, like a lot of like a lot of things with me as like, as a musician in the world. Um, I will someone will tell me that I sound like something that I've never consciously listened to. I might have picked up incidentally, but um, you know, like these things kind of seem like they're siloed away from each other. But it's it's all in the soup. Like yeah, yeah. You, you, are influenced by things you haven't even heard. Yeah, yeah, right, for sure. And that I I feel that with him, it's definitely not an affected thing where you feel where you where you feel like he's putting on of uh, airs or affected. This is just how he is. This is just how he sings. Yeah, and this it's is more of a he... defect. If anything, <laughs> like I, mean, I feel like it's like if if I were to be him and I wouldn't and not like if if he were to not be a successful person, like he had a very good career, right? He might like blamed some of that on his voice or something. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because he doesn't, yeah, in listening to it, yeah, it isn't like he has some great range, some amazing range, but he sings uh, in his range, within his range, but he just, I don't know, to me, it's very, I remember just from when I heard You're the Cat, and it's just something that stood out, you know, it it like stands out and sort of sets him apart, and and he has that uh, delivery, and I was, it's funny, I was listening to it, and this week I was, uh, I was in the car with my wife and she's forced to listen to whatever I'm going to listen to the album I'm doing. She's listening and she's like, what is this? Not necessarily that she didn't like it, but she was just confused like that. I was listening to this. She goes, what is this? And I said, Oh, it's uh, Al Stewart. But uh, yeah, it's just, I really, the more I listen to it, like you said, the songs definitely, there's definitely a, a lot going on. They're very meticulously crafted and, and something it reminded me of that. I was also, that I was a big fan of in the time was Elton John, the Elton John period of like Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. Too hot for the band With a desperate desire for change We've thrown in the towel too many times Out for the count when we're down Captain This reminds me a lot of that. You could tell... He has a lot of really good players on it. People playing the uh, guitar playing on this album is like off the charts good. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the uh, like for especially for the um, the guitar really goes out into outer space in the title track in modern modern times. times. Yeah, that's right. Where, um, I was I, th- there was a, a reissue from '92 where um, he uh, is an interview with Al Stewart and he goes into it with each song and he was talking about that song in particular and how. Um, how he just, it was supposed to be designed as like a kind of more traditional pop orchestral kind of epic song. Right, right, Where you right. hear a lot of like the strings and the, ba- and the band playing behind him. But he kept just like pushing up this guitar, which is like pretty clean and for, for what it, for a guitar solo and pretty smooth. But like you can hear it's pushed up so high in the mix that you hear all these little intricacies of like 
the 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 strings and and the pickup is like very clear and in in a really expressive way because a guitar player a lot of a lot of times that stuff might kind of be unappealing as a guitar player to hear hear such a close-up view of, right, of what you're doing right, right everything that's happening there is so elegant and so so beautiful and so, so good and it's, it's it's cool that that isn't just getting lost in this in a more traditional pop music kind of mix right yeah you're you're right because uh, uh, yeah the, the songs in a way they are very pop and tr- traditional but when he come when the guitars come in they're a front and center and they do they do take a strong part some of it remind me like I could hear like uh, Dire Straits Mark Knopfler oh. I could hear him listening to this guy playing and being sort of in, you know influenced by the playing because it's uh, very similar in, in to that Same idea. This this very in-your-face, uh, meticulous uh, guitar playing that kind of takes uh, takes over a uh, song. And has and it's full of little nuance. Yes. That, yeah. That yeah. It, it is often lost in a guitar type of tone where it's just kind of someone shredding. Over right. Like right. Yeah. Exactly. A buzz or distortion. <laughs> There's like a cleanness to it that is um it's it's just very um exposed. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, because at points the I don't know there were there's a whole bunch of guitar players credited, so it's really hard to tell who's sure. doing what. But yeah, yeah, at points these guys are shredding, but yeah, it's like you said, it's a very clean shredding tone and it's very musical and it's just uh, really good, but really surprising to come on on and uh, you know on this uh, this type of music in an album like that. Definitely. Yeah, I think. And uh, before we, yeah, uh, before we start listening, I just want to mention the sleeve. So eventually, you, uh, you know, you knew that song, and then you dove back in it. Did you ever? Did you ever go out and buy the record? Did you? Did you find it on CD or did you? Oh, do you get time passages? No, no, this one, Modern Times. Oh, this one. Oh, so so this one was uh was brought up to me just just as a recommendation by my longtime friend um and collaborator Connor Kylie. I've just like taken musical advice from him my whole adult life um and deep into my teenage years where i every few months or every like maybe a couple times a year he'll he'll just come at me with a recommendation and be like hey i think you might like this and like really gentle right and then i'll i'll it, sometimes it will take me a couple weeks or something to get around to it and then when i finally did it was like it like hit me like uh like a hammer like it just like really like pulled sucked me in and right. i i he was spot on it was a spot on recommendation he knew exactly what he was doing (laughs) because i was wondering so have you seen the the sleeve like for the u.s release the sleeve to it do you know anything about that my interaction with it is has been pretty much um you might have this on other episodes of your podcast how people interact with these albums because my interaction has been pretty much digital right i know i I haven't had a lot of exposure to to the um to like the vinyl copy or the different versions right um except like looking at those liner notes. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's kind of a shame because this is really cool. The sleeve for the U.S. release, it was uh, Hypnosis. The co- the company Hypnosis did it, which did a lot of uh, Pink Floyd uh, album covers and a lot of, they're really famous for doing like famous oh, sure. uh, record uh, album covers in the 70s. And it depicts, the cover depicts, uh, there's a blonde woman getting out of a car 
uh, that's uh, that Al Stewart's driving. But the woman is Pink Floyd guitarist uh, David uh, Gilmore's wife, his first wife, Ginger, at the oh, time. Sure. And the car that he's in belonged to uh, Jimmy Page. Uh, let's up and guitarist Jimmy Page. So I thought that was just kind of cool. Really in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Really in the thick of it. All right, so you, uh, I, I mentioned it was uh, produced by Alan Parsons. Uh, do you know anything about him at all, Alan Parsons? No, that, that's that's something that this record really like piqued my curiosity. Um, I, I, I know vaguely about Alan Pro- Parsons and, and his project. I am the guy in the sky looking at you. Right, Alan Parsons' project. He's got some history back, uh, back at Abbey Road, right? Yes, the yeah, and and actually, yeah, I should mention this was actually this, that's where this was recorded. It was recorded at Abbey. Oh, Road. Oh, sure, okay. Yep, and uh, produced by him. Yeah, so it's just, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Definitely, definitely of a time of the seventies, but also just. Uh, just uh, there's a lot i mean it's cool Uh, i I really love albums that that are just really dense and short there's only eight songs which is great because it's just uh it's an album you could just listen to beginning to end and it's just you know the last song is 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 that epic you know eight minute song but it's just a really nice uh listen of with the eight songs i think definitely yeah yeah and uh all right so the opening track was actually a a single and it was actually a, a kind of a hit single and maybe uh his first uh, sort of breakout hit, and it was about a, a groupie that he met, and uh, it's called Carol. Sometimes it seems unimaginable that you were ever any other way With your white rose face and your open clothes Embroidered jeans and silver chains you're a well-known face in all the hangout places Where the lost souls congregate You sit all night, but you talk too fast I don't know what you're trying to say Oh, Carol, I think it's time for running the cover Uh-huh, believe me Yeah, everyone's a nobody's lover Uh-huh, you got a one-way ticket for all your yesterdays I know your daddy said he'd talk to you But he never really found the time And your TV mother with the cocktail eyes Could never really reach your mind So you fixed your star to a passing dream And took a cocaine holiday Now the years flow around you in a muddy stream You need another place to stay Oh, uh, poor Carol. So poor Carol took a, a cocaine holiday so uh <laughs> in, in a bad way apparently in a, yeah it sounds like it was that a might, bad way for some people that might be a good thing right 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 um but it was a time like i said uh it was uh, inspired by a groupie that he met in new york and um yeah even even this it has that sort of uh guitar that little interlude that comes in with the guitar that's really good yeah, yeah, I know that that's really like baroque. Yes, kind of. baroque. That's it. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> that's so satisfying. Cool. Yep, it yeah. is. It is. It is. It's great. And um, all right. So the second song, uh, "Sirens of Titan." Are you a Kurt Vonnegut fan at all? Oh no, very. Uh, like what I've read, I, I've enjoyed, but it's been a little while. For right. Me. Yeah, because I as soon as I saw that, I I got excited because when I. I 
as a teenager, it's funny, probably the same time I started reading, I became, I was a huge fan of Kerbonic, but this Sirens of Titan was like one of his first books, very early. Like he was he started out sort of like a science like a weird science fiction writer. And it's it's weird. It's a weird book. I wouldn't even say it's a, that good a book. I would say the song is better than the book, but definitely the song is an homage to the book. It's a reference to the book, which obviously uh, Al Stewart really, uh, really liked too. Uh, but let's listen to a little bit of Sirens of Titan. I was drawn by the sirens of Titan Carried along by their call Seeking for a way to enlighten Searching for the sense of it all Like a kiss on the wind I was thrown to the stars Captured and ordered in the army of Mars Marching to the sound of the drum in my head I followed the call Only to be Malachi constant I thought I came to the sun Living in the heart of the moment With the riches I gained at my birth But here in the yellow and blue of my days Wander the endless Mercurian caves Watching for the signs the harmoniums make Words on the wall <laughs> yeah, just all those little uh, percussive sounds that they're throwing in the song is just so uh, it's it's so great, and it it just brings it up to a a different level for me. I mean, some people, I guess, some people would listen to it and just think it's corny sounding, but I don't know. You you kind of have to something like this. You kind of have to give yourself up to the music. I think. Oh, me too. I mean, I feel like um, the chord progression in that, especially, it's it, it's going places that you don't expect it to and it has that arrangement like that just kind of propels it along yes like it like it has that like kind of the beat in the beginning is kind of like it's got like a halftime beat to it and then and then it just picks up in a, in a such a natural cool way i feel like um if i were to hear like an instrumental version of that it would be like I like the the theme song to some kind of like seventies detective show. Or yes, something. right. <laughs> yeah. Like a like a lawyer that also like solves crimes or right something right. like. That. <laughs> no, but it's all very well. Yeah, it, 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 it's Dentist true. Dentist solves crimes. Right, right, <laughs> and it could almost it could almost be you could almost be classified as kind of cheesy. Well, is that cheesy sounding? But I don't know. Like I said, you just have to sort of suspend that and appreciate it for what it is I think because it is really good I'm glad you mentioned his chord progressions because haven't, haven't you know I'm sure you know because you said you became obsessed with this his chord progressions that he comes up with are really great oh for sure yeah and it's um and it doesn't seem like it's going off into like territory it's like it's like the perfect balance of like being less predictable but also like have like being you're you're assured it's not like Prague where like you you're unmoored sometimes right, right. It's like bringing you back to like something like a sense of like uh he has a gentleness to him and and, and a sense of um it, it's still going to be like a pretty poppy song I feel like that in particular is like a very like McCartney-esque type of sensibility to that song oh okay right yeah I, I could see that that's good um, all right, so the uh, the third track, um, let's listen to, we'll talk about it, a little bit of what's going on. 
almost unnatural You seem so different, you hardly spoke at all Now you come to me and you've got green streaks in your hair You walk like Greta Garbo, but you talk like Yogi Bear So tell me now, what's going on? What's going on? I really don't believe what's going on What's going on? Anyone in the farmhouse could have given you the news You think you're in control but you're only being used I know your head is in the sky, you're easy to deceive But how you felt for this, I really don't believe Oh, tell me now, what's going on? Yeah, so that uh, that one line when he says you walk like Greta Garbo, but you talk like Yogi Bear, that's very him. That's very because he he likes to do that. I think he likes to throw in these little uh, pop culture, especially which were then I'm sure more like these little pop culture things uh, references in in the songs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and he's he's really calling somebody out on that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really like exactly. That well, is not a compliment. <laughs> And it's it's one of those things where like um I mean as there's probably a little bit of projecting going on like the more the more bitter a song can be the more like the more bitter a song can seem to be about another person the more maybe it's about yourself oh yeah 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 I'm sure yeah <laughs> like like you said he had some kind of vocal affectation that I'm sure he was he was called out on you know during his oh, life sure. for sure yeah. right yeah. Right. I, I think, yeah, you're definitely right. There was there was some production going on there. Uh, all right. So this next one, not the one. Uh, did you notice like the opening chords? Did you did you hear what they're reminiscent of? Uh, did you pick that out? Oh, um, not, nothing really comes to mind. Oh, well, think, listen to it now and think okay. of <laughs> David Bowie's Queen Bitch, because the opening sounds uh, a lot like Queen Bitch, which came out, you know, which came out earlier in 1971. But yeah, listen to this and think of uh, Queen Bitch, not the one. It's the kind of gray November day that washes away reflections in the eyes of hotel porters. And the lattice wooden benches by the sea contain no travelers or Irish. Lady authors And the girl on the raincoat Walks the lanes of Brighton With her collar Turned against the wind And hovers in the doorways Of second-hand bookshops Among the dust and fading print And you're not The one she's thinking of And you're not Yeah, so you hear that now, right? For sure, yeah, I can't unhear that. Exactly. I had to run. I had to get put on uh, Queen Bitch and make sure. But um, yeah, but, you know, it's that time. This one, so you hear in this, in, in even the beginning of the last song in this one, his um, folk 
beginnings. Uh, there's still, you know, it is in a way it's uh, very folk, and you could picture him sort of playing these songs on himself on an acoustic guitar, and it would be more just like folk songs, like love. This is definitely, yeah, yeah. This is like a cool love song, and it's kind of sad because he's telling someone, you know, you're not the one she's thinking of, and you're not the one she really wants. You're just a point along the line she's leaving from, which is pretty harsh, you know. It is, yeah, and it's got, um, yeah, kind of like a like such an evocative like series of like little vignettes that he's describing with these people. Yes. Yes. Well, that's his thing. That's his thing. He paints these little vignettes and it's all very, I don't know. It's funny as an, as an American, uh, someone that sings like this about British things and with that, this very British delivery, it just all sounds so exotic to me, especially I think when I was a teenager and I would hear it, you know, it just sounded so exotic because it's so different than than what I was used to and what I grew up with. But obviously this is something, you know, this are all things that he grew up with and this is him. He's a very British uh, delivery in all his delivery. Oh, definitely. I mean, I can imagine like uh, like the uh, kind of American equivalent uh, would have been like like some of earlier Bruce Springsteen. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Very specific about these characters <laughs> and these vignettes, like for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Light by so the light funny. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, that's like having having those people seeing being a fly on the wall with, with those people meeting each other or whatever. Right, right, right. Sort of a uh, sort of a <laughs> like fae, two aliens, a fey British uh, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, that would be be a quick way to describe Alistair (laughs) not for not really fair not really accurate but in a way kind of (laughs) no I just want to say one thing about that song is that the the uh, electric piano solo in that goes oh yeah that's right in a really in a really cool direction um because like a lot of the the feeling of it um is like pretty like you kind of like get a real comfortable sense of where things are and then once the electric piano kicks in and it takes you off into a bridge after that it's a uh, it's a really special like sonic place to be. Yeah, that, um, I'm I'm gonna play some of that underneath. That. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's the that's the thing. A lot of his songs do that. They kind of take uh, these little they have these little instrumental bridges, or they do something, and they sort of take you. They go a little off of where you would think the song would go, and uh, it's pretty interesting. And he's got, but he's got such this light, delicate delivery that sometimes it, you 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 might not even. Uh, notice it or realize it the, the the first time that it is very oh, yeah. sophisticated it's very sophisticated musically it's definitely like a cool um a good example of like how his folkiness is 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 being like um interwoven with uh the high production right, um, experience right, right. of abbey road and alan parsons and stuff yeah, <laughs> right exactly exactly yeah. and uh yeah you'd mentioned the vignettes how he writes these little vignettes this next one next time it's a perfect example because it's got like three different verses and they're basically three different vignettes of a breakup of people breaking up uh mm. yeah and it's done it's it's like perfect al stewart i think uh so let's do a little bit of next time Did hear the scraping of the front door key 
He wouldn't say to her Don't wanna know where you were She wouldn't find him there Next time She missed the train, she felt the rain upon her face It seemed to clear her head yeah, the guitar playing in that, the acoustic guitar is like just great. It's a, it's so good. It's so like um like fifties or sixties like coffee shop or yes. Greenwich Village yeah, right. kind of vibe. I get imagine like I don't know, like Fred Neal being in, in that scene, like uh, like some America. It sounds I mean like the the bridge of like American and British folk. That's right. like right in that zone. Right. With the feel of that. It's like kind of because that's like a jazziness to it. Um, like with the chord progression and the, right, and the, right, right. It's, like it's it's a little, it's not super like basic kind of cowboy chord. It's oh yeah, no, it, no, not at all. And actually, you know, yeah. I th- I thought of listening to this. I thought of Richard Thompson. I don't know if you're a fan of yeah, Richard Thompson definitely. at all, but and then I read that he actually played with Richard Thompson and he did something with Fairport Convention and he was around that you know that whole scene and everything too. And that makes sense, you know, when you listen. Definitely, yeah. yeah. There's some Fairport in there. It's some like very vibey kind of the repetitiveness of the beginning of it is right. like really putting you into a mood where you're you can imagine you can staring off uh, at some like foggy lake. Right. <laughs> Thinking about how Excalibur is maybe inside that lake. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So this next one, Apple Cider Reconstitution. This song and. and I like this song, but this is one of the, this is the song I think that my wife said to me. What are you listening to? Oh, it's it's very eccentric. It's, it's eccentric. That's good. That is it. Yes, it's very eccentric. <laughs> just the fact that putting that in there, the apple side. Just I don't know. Let's we'll talk about it. Let's yeah yeah. Let's listen to a little bit of apple cider reconstitution. When we came to the station, all the trains were rusty. The doors were open and the windows broken in. There was grass and all the cracks and the air hung musty. The travel posters were flapping in the wind. So I moved through the dust and gloom, playing waiting games in the waiting room. Bikes out on the floor And on Sunday morning Easy Rider Comes to me with apple cider Leave me here without a place to go If I follow the coast road I'd be home by evening I'm gonna be honest as a songwriter, as someone that's written songs, I don't write songs anymore. I'm, I'm re- retired. But I, I feel like, and on Sunday morning, Easy Rider comes to me with apple cider. I almost feel like that could have been like a, a placeholder lyric where he just did it and said, oh, maybe I'll change it later and then just decided to leave it. <laughs> yeah. Just like let it, let, it, let it be eccentric. Let it be. Right, 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 right. Uh, well, I mean, let it stick in your head because it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be there. Right, right, that's, right. That, that is kind of a songwriter trick to put something, to juxtapose something that 
it's just it doesn't fit <laughs> right 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 yeah but it's just and it's uh, and again it's a song you kind of get at first i'm thought I, I don't know that's so yeah like you said it's eccentric but uh, you know a third fourth time around it i say oh man that song really gets under your skin though it does and if anything like maybe just i mean he was kind of taken over by that placeholder and he had no choice i, I, I mean right. he obviously as a songwriter he had listened to that himself more than three or four times and at that point there's just no turning back he just had to like leave that in the song <laughs> there you go which you you know that that, that happens that's a real thing that, that happens, happens. Right? yeah yeah you and know, usually the song will have a mind of its own yeah and usually it's it, it it's great because that's so that's when when you're not overthinking things and trying to you know trying to overwrite something or do it usually a lot of times that's the best thing right yeah but it's hard. Sometimes we can't help it. Sometimes you just have it. <laughs> yeah. You just want it, 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 it'll catch your attention. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. So the the dark and rolling sea. This is a relationship song into a, a sea metaphor. But I, in reading about it, uh, it, it's also very uh, dramatic. You know, this is a very dramatic one. But the melody, I guess, is based on an Irish ballad called "The Maid of County Down." Oh right, and um, did he pick that up from a, a like another like uh, English musician who who had adapted that song previously? Probably, yeah. I didn't get to that. I think like yeah, I heard you're... a story about that. Yeah, yeah. like of much like centuries old history, but like his interaction with that. Uh, melody first might have happened in the 60s or so right 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 which he was he was a folk guy which is also a very folk thing to do to do something yeah right yeah (laughs) it is but like i said very dramatic uh it's cool let's just do a little bit of the dark and the rolling sea From the harbor side in the morning, bright and clear, and your sails were filled with the rising wind, and you laughed for all to hear. But you never glanced at the ragged dance of your lovers on the key. When the winds rise high on the dark and the rolling sea Oh, you set your course for the furthest shores And you never once looked back Yeah, this is an uh, this is one of those ones we were talking about that has those uh, guitar interludes that are just so good. They're just really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like kind of nasty but tasteful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. I love that song. I, that that song is probably my favorite on, on the record. It's a uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's a really a beautiful song. It is. The record ends with such a bang with these two songs. I mean, like the dark and the rolling sea is so. It has such like a 
English sensibility of its of its just like deep kind of tragic sadness to it. Right, right, right. I right. mean, just just the way the melody and the chords work together. Um, it, it's it's so elemental the the way it makes me feel. I I just can't help but like be transfixed by it whenever it comes on. I just have to like stop and just like pay attention. It's a song where like the last two songs, especially, I just I can't just let them roll by and like do something. I have to like kind of just like listen fully to them. I have to be present for them because <laughs> right, right. They, they just have a hold on me. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, one thing I was thinking and listening to this is uh his in a way he has a kind of detached delivery to things which I think makes everything better. Like when you think about it a song like The Dark and Rolling Sea if someone was like really over singing it and being overwrought about it, it would be too much. But I think the way he does this delicate sort of detached in a way delivery sort of adds to everything and it makes it more special that way. Yeah, you think about the song and not, I mean, you think about, you can't help but think about the singer and his goofy voice. Yeah, right. But, uh, <laughs> you, you do think you, it does allow you to absorb what he's, he's singing about in a way where you're you're adding your own emotions to it and you're not having a singer put a too much, emo, too much, right. too much mustard on it you know yeah that uh, that's it i guess that's probably it because you end up experiencing it a completely different way than you would as if if someone else was and that's i guess that's a definition of an artist that's why we like some artists you know that that some we're we're drawn to certain artists because of that because they have their distinctive thing whereas if someone else did it it would be completely different you know yeah yeah and he has a confidence in in the the content of the song to just to to detach uh in, in that way or or just maybe not even consciously but like he can just like let the song cook and you just right oh yeah it, yeah like, he, he yeah he you. seems like someone that that you could tell he's someone that 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 knows who he is knows his limitations and and is not w- worried about any of that just deliver this yeah. is how i'm gonna sing these songs and yeah yeah right me too same for sure and do you know anything about it's it's one of the ones that it says it's co-written and it's this guy dave mudge but i couldn't find anything about him yeah me neither yeah i, I remember <laughs> kind of going into it being like who who who's responsible for this? Right, right. Who, 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 who contributed to me feeling this way? I know it's not just Al Stewart and Alan Parsons. I know maybe someone else right. is, is there to blame. Um, all right. So this one, Modern Times, is the one co-written by Dave Mudge, who we we know, me and Scott know nothing about. But um, yeah, purportedly inspired by the 1936 Charlie Chaplin silent film of the same name. All right, but let's listen to a little bit of the. Uh, it really. It's not going to get the whole flavor. But one thing I will say, it's a long, it's over eight minutes, but it, it really doesn't seem like that long a song to me. You it's know? very well paced. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. And, and it, like, like things breathe in, in a way where it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. If, if it was any shorter, I would, I would feel like something was missing. Probably honestly. because it really takes its time. It takes its time getting yeah. going, but uh, well, you know, what are we going to do? It's a, <laughs> we can't play the whole song. Let's just do a little bit of money. Hello old friend. What a strange coincidence to find you It's been 15 years since we last met But I still recognized you So call the barman over here And let us fill our glasses And drink a toast to olden times where all our memories lie Where all our memories 
things light Do you remember The time when we were young Lovely love Outside the window, the frosty moonlight hung on the midnight snow. So we pulled our scarves around our faces in the night, huddled on the doorsteps where the fairy light shone bright, singing Christmas carols while our breath hung in the light. It all comes back like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah, just a really great song. I was, like I said, I've been listening to this uh, all week. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just great. A really, uh, really good album and, and not something I would have thought to dive into or listen to if you hadn't have brought it. So I'm glad for that. I appreciate that. Of course, yeah. I feel like we we were probably still like two minutes away from the chorus. Yeah, yeah, no, we were, and I'll play some of it. Yeah, I may, I'll play, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it playing underneath when we're so talking about. Of course, about yeah, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, because um, it's very, uh, it, it's very, especially. I like how it starts out where he's in, you know, he's sort of uh, in a club, you know, singing to people, and I could picture it. Do, do you remember the time we were young? Uh, yeah. You know, it's very. Um, you know, a, a folky a troubadour type guy uh, singing it, and um, yeah, it just sort yeah. of brings you to a place. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that that song in particular. It's it's like um, it's very. Um, I feel like it's somewhere between cinematic and literary. Where oh, it right, feels like right, right. At the beginning, you have this kind of like this this table setting, and then um, you have these this person um, ad- addressing someone else about about the past, and then you have. It's almost spoken in, in the beginning, and then you have like these little, like tinkly, deep in the mix, like these tinkly pianos, yes. like the classic, <laughs> like, like the Wayne's World kind of like doo doo You have that going, literally going on in the background, and then you get into the flashback where he's talking about how they were as children, and as as the song progresses, it's how how, how they grew up and and the love the, the the loves that they had, and like and how their relationship drifted apart, and then at the end of it, it's just like. We don't actually have anything in common anymore. I don't want to think about the past. That's what the friend is saying, right? Right? To, right? To, to, to the narrator, essentially, and like, leave me alone, please. And then the narrator goes off and is just um, walks away and into the into the into the night and is kind of lost <laughs> at that moment. And it's 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 such a it's such a song where like um you know like the the trope of like the the good old days um is is so it's it's so anti that it's so um it, it really sub- subverts that whole message of like the kind of old times or the better times it's it's, it's much more oh, yeah. like right yeah people drift apart from each other and sometimes that's good and why do we need to always reconnect with each other sometimes <laughs> just like let it be man yep yep yeah that's it and it's also i i love you know listening to a song called modern times and stuff and you realize it's such a, it was recorded in the 70s like in the mid 70s so, <laughs> so yeah. long ago yeah so, uh, so, so, the, so their idea of the past is like the post-world war ii rubble of right of, 
right, England, right, right. Probably right. something that Al Stewart would have grown up in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, and, and we should mention Al Stewart still still around and still playing. Uh, he he uh, he he's still like touring and playing shows, um, uh, which is cool. I, I I had no idea, you know, until I I read about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, he still got a website with like tour dates on it. And yeah. He, <laughs> His website is cool because it ha- has not only lyrics, but it also has um, chords and tabs, which is something that, like, I feel like is a very folk musician thing to do to right. have right. your music out there to be like, you can also play this because that in the tradition of folk music, it's just sharing, don't right. you know? I think that's really cool. It is cool. Now, Scott, I'm going to ask you, have you ever thought, have you ever uh, thought of covering like an Al Stewart song? Have you ever? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely like, uh, I mean, within a week of hearing this record, I was learning the last two songs in particular. Oh, nice, um, nice. The version I had um, had a handful of bonus tracks. Um, and I, I was I was, I was, was getting into some of those. Carol is definitely something that I, I really like a lot um, at, at, to play. And then one of the bonus tracks is called uh, "Swallow uh, Swallow In." Have you have you heard any of the bonus tracks? I didn't. I saw that there were bonus tracks. Swallow Wind. Um, but there are some pretty cool bonus tracks. Oh, nice! Yeah, you know what? I didn't. I was gonna listen to them, but instead, I was listening to your. I was listening to uh, "Wither" on Hollywood and Vine. So, yeah. (laughs) Which, yeah, I I should mention. Yeah, once again, like I said, I'm I'm not just blowing smoke up uh, up Scott's ass. really good and sometimes i get very uh, surprised when i have i don't know if i'm surprised but when i have people on and i realize there are still people making like really good music and, and out there and making and that's good that's heartening to see it's heartening and it's also sad to me because i feel like it's so it, it's just so much harder for everything it's, it's so hard i know you're uh you're really a road animal and you, and you tour a lot and when this uh when this comes out you're going to be uh in the south if anywhere's uh if you're in the south like uh Louisiana, Texas, you could catch uh, Scott's just playing all over. And I guess the, uh, you have the your website is scottmatthewyoder.com, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Scott Matthew Yoder. So that's where you could see the tour dates. I would I would recommend just checking it out if you're in the area because uh, that would be awesome. But yeah, I would definitely go to the band camp. Like I said, uh, just really good stuff, good music, and uh, I I was thinking it was funny. The one song, especially Silver Screen Starlet, I'm thinking that could be an Al Stewart song. <laughs> Oh, amazing! Yeah, I, was, I mean, like in 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 my, it would be crazy to hear him sing a song of like when when you write a song, you think like, who else? What what would it be like if someone else sang that? Right, but I totally, I just remember thinking that. I guess because I've been, I was listening to them both around the same time, but I was thinking be like, like like there's a handful of years before you can have an make an AI uh, do indulge. Oh God! You. Oh, I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. I did. I shouldn't have brought it up. You shouldn't have. You're right. Uh, all right, but uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun and good luck. I know this was like a, a day off. You didn't even take a toad day off because weren't you doing video? Weren't you doing some videos or something today? Speaking of Silver Screen Starlet, that was one of one of the videos I was filming today. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, I saw that. I I, uh, I'm, I subscribed to your Instagram, so I saw that you were doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, so check out uh, Scott Yoder for sure. Don't forget uh, if you want to follow me, it's Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high on X. It's at TRGMH Podcast. Don't go on X. It's it's a dumpster fire, a complete dumpster fire. Just don't go on it at all. Uh, you can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. And uh, most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Become a patron. 
thanks, Scott. This was great. And thanks to Steve Roman again for uh, bringing us together. He's great. He's a big, uh, big fan of music. Just like uh, one of these guys you want. I wish there was more. There need to be like hundreds more of Steve's, right? Because he's just a big oh. music fan. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that like just the fact that there's one it like and he brought me all the way across the country. Right, 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 right. Think exactly. of the power of even like uh, like half a dozen Steve's if there were <laughs> if, if that existed <laughs> that would be in, in the world that I would be unstoppable. It was, that's true. That's true. It would also be kind of annoying because he can't be annoying, but uh, it would be awesome, too, though. It would. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks again, Scott, for coming on. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm Rob Elba. We'll see you next week. Silver screen started. With the Yeah.